This is an HR program on demand, a living seed capsule of work life and workplace coming live from a rooftop in Stockholm, Sweden. It's me, Anne-Marie Andrich, and me, Katarina Berg. A podcast on HR straight across the counter. Hello, Katarina. Hey, Anne-Marie. Good to have you here. Nice to be here. Let's talk a little bit about Spotify and your people strategy. Yes. So what do you want to know? <laughs> yes, what do I want to know? First of all, I would like to know, how would you describe your people strategy? Okay, so first of all, it stems out of our five values. So it doesn't sit alone or it's not like a satellite where we in HR decided that this is pretty cool things or this is what's trending now or this is what we would love to work with. So it has a foundation of values. And then obviously it also has a connection and that is hopefully is very strong connection to our mission at the company. So those two things had to be in place before the people's strategy. And I remember when I got here seven years ago, that was maybe one of the questions I got on all town halls. Where's the people's strategy? Where's the people's strategy? Where's the people's strategy? And I do understand the question, but I, I was thinking that or I kind of know now, right? You can always rewrite the history too when you're here long enough. But I think they were questioning if I was able to put one. And it's quite easy to write a strategy. That is not the problem. But if you don't have it in the ecosystem of what you're trying to achieve in the company, it doesn't really make sense. And then HR will be one of those you know, staff functions, admin functions, or not necessarily the heart of the people and not in the heart of the business. So it had to take its time and we needed to have that infrastructure in place. Where are we going? When do we think we're going to go there? And then the people strategy is actually how we will get there and with whom, which is, I think, the important. So our people strategy has four tenants. It's quite simple. It's not really one of those, oh my God, that is super smart. But then we tweak them and we twitch them and then we iterate a bit on them depending on where we are. So since we launched them, it's actually the four same. One is talent attraction. In a company that is in hyper growth, I think talent attraction is one of the, the codes that you need to really crack. Is where do you find all this talent around the world that is relevant and right for you? You want to have the right talent, but you could also do what I think most companies says. We want the best talent. And then they go into Ivy League or whatever like rank system there is. And then they go on grades. I think that is, first of all, you're losing a lot of smart and really talented people. Secondly, I think, you know, when we know that people have different ways to get there, and also have different backgrounds and not necessarily have the same opportunities, I think this is where you go wrong too. So talent attraction, very, very important. And, and how we do that, obviously, when you, you lift that lid, there is a much more aggregated, but also nuanced and down to activities, how we do that. The second tenant is diversity, inclusion and belonging. And uh, for the longest time, where the beginning, it was diversity, inclusion. And then it was diversity, inclusion, belonging. And now it's diversity and belonging. And I think that will change because that is a quite young tenant within the HR family, if I would put it like that. And semantics here is very, very important. And we all around the world that think this is important, it's a playbook that we write as we go along. And something that is both trending or super important, or sometimes in a combination of that, is that this word, we need to talk about this, or this phenomena, or these things are really important. Then you turn around to another part of the world where they haven't heard about that. 
And if I'm going to name one thing that maybe for three years ago, we had an inclusion summit that we focused on allyship. When we talked about allyship in Sweden or in Asia, people were like, what is that? What is that? When we described what it was, everybody like, yeah, that is important. We do that. But we either didn't have a label on it or we didn't talk about it in, in that kind of shape or form. So diversity, important from day one, a big part of the people's strategy, was also for a long time part of the North Star that we had at Spotify, but also the objectives that we have or the focus areas and still are, but in a different way. But inclusion was always the focus, right? So that is the second tenant. The third tenant that we have within the people's strategy is learning and development. So we have to learn faster than the world is changing. Super important. And I think most companies need to understand or have understood that. But in a company like ours, where we sometimes look for individuals or traits or skill set that the university or colleges are not training for yet because you do high technology or you develop things that are not necessarily on the market yet. We also have to have a way to dress our people all the time so they are employable, but also so we stay relevant with our knowledge and that we develop and innovate on the right things. So it's not one of those things that you do this here and there, or this is something luxury that we have, or you go away on a course or training and you have good food and you go to a really nice venue. It could be all that too, but it's very much on the job training and learning and finding ways where each one teach one all the time, kind of. And um, it's very much self-leadership in that sense that you drive your own development And then we make sure that there is a variety of trainings and ways of developing and growing. And then when I say grow, it actually is a fourth and they sometimes are mistaken to be more or less the same. But growth being, you know, one of the early adapters or maybe fan base for Carol Dweck's book, Growth Mindset. Most things that we designed here, most trainings and programs, the way that we are set up with performance development rather than management, the whole kind of leadership suite of development programs are built on the growth mindset. Kind of deciding and knowing or being in the camp of everybody has a growth mindset. Everybody wants to learn. And people that come here needs to be passionate, curious. And how do we curate to that? Those are the four tenants or the pillars within our people's strategy. Great. Super clear. Thank you. <laughs> I also know that you call your employees band members. Yes. Why do you do that? Yeah. Why do we do that? I think, you know, when we were only a music company, it's not only to be that. I think we used and still use a lot of metaphors that really works for us, right? You join a band and when you're part of a band, there's a playbook, how your orchestra that you play together, that you are in tune to each other, where you have to do some active listening. You have to use the Spotify rhythm, which is all our strategies, which is another area that I oversee, you know, the strategy operations for the whole company. So we use a lot of those metaphors and it's easy for us to then, even now when You know, every parent that has a child, music, and then you are fortunate enough to have a second child, in our case, podcast. You also do this. Can you love the second child as much as the first child? And you worry a bit. Then the first child goes like, you, you pay all attention to the youngest kid. And you have to because it's quite young and it needs, you know, nourishing and encouragement and all that. 
And I think that's had been the same thing for us, but we kept using band members because it sits really well with us. And I think everybody understands what we mean with that more than that you just are an employee that started in the company. And it manifests into your people's strategy as well, right? It does, and especially to the band manifesto of, you know, what you can expect as a band member, but what also our expectations are on you. It's not necessarily a contract, but, you know, one of those kind of invisible seals that you do. You do a handshake on what can I expect and what are your promises and vice versa, which I think is very, very important. And it brings clarity without you having to be a company with like loads and loads of policies and guidelines and restrictions and the do's and don'ts. It's more of, you know, here you have guidance and hopefully it will help you navigate. And before you even join the band, It is also one of those, is this something for me? It's not for everybody and it shouldn't be for everybody. So we're trying to be clear and open and transparent before you join, but also continue to be that as a company of what we're all about, how we come together, what we would like to see show up and how we would be able to do the things from our side that makes you be the best of yourself and when you come to work. Great. It's impossible nowadays to not mention COVID-19. Right? Yes, but let's don't. <laughs> but we have to. Because it's so boring. <laughs> but let's have to and tie it to HR. How would you say that COVID-19 has affected your HR team? I think there is not one HR team around the world that were not finding themselves, no matter if they wanted, were prepared or didn't want to, find themselves smack in the center of everything, like crisis management. And you have to handle a lot of people and a lot of uncertainty People scared for their lives in the beginning, didn't understand, depending on what country you were, maybe depending on what company you were, there seemed to be kind of a a solution that were maybe better or worse curated depending on what type of information and personality you were. And I think if there's going to be a shout out to any profession uh, any year, I think it has to be to our colleagues in in HR this year. It's been a hard year. It's been tough. It's been rough. It's been important. Therefore, also, I know that we all scared to say, but using the word fun, because we all want to make a difference. And I think we did this year. And what I can see or what I read up on or what I hear or in my network, I think a lot of HR teams, if not almost all, played a very important part of the success or that clarity, that, you know, consistency, that compelling message, because all of us had to both communicate and kind of consume, digest and simmer on the information that we got. I think me and my team were lucky in so many ways, not saying that one strategy was better than the other, but we happen to operate even if my crisis management team are based in different time zones, obviously than in different countries. But in Sweden, we have a long history of listening to authorities and data rather than politics. And this was not about politics. This was about a virus, right? And then you can make it into politics. So here we decided quite early that we would listen to the authorities and the people that actually work with these types of questions rather than go all in 
or all bananas on just because I can run a computer program and I can do all these estimations, this is what the world would look like. It's not helpful and it's not leadership to go out and be doom and gloom. It's very tough and it's very hard to dare to be optimistic when everything looks a bit dark. It's also very, very much leadership to go out and dare to say things before you have all the cards on your hand, which is kind of now and not even now, because we're not out of the crisis. So how did that affect us? It affected us in every way. We had to relearn, not so much upskill and cross-skill, it was relearning and also going back to a couple of facts. We are behaviorists, right? Now it was all about that, and it's going to be that in the future too. Knowing what we know about people being creatures of habits and uh, what we like and not like and what we are scared of and what we not necessarily don't care about. And here I think a lot of people now are drawing very hasty conclusions of what they're new. And I don't even want to say the sentence, the new normal. It's going to be this, it's going to be that. I think it's going to be a lot of the things that we already know and the things that we are familiar with and the things that we love. And then when it's open society again, we will go back to that. But we will also have a technology that is enabling new behaviors that we are comfortable with, that we are willing, and also the ones that we would like to enhance and and move into. But I don't think you can force anything, and I don't think you can draw conclusion of the force. But back to your main question is, how has it affected you? I think we are tired I think we are yes yes like, yes, yes. <laughs> amen to that. I think we are tired. I think we are focused. I also think that we are curious about what's around the next corner. I think we are hopeful. I think we are grateful. I think that we are cautiously positive. But this is something that we're going to beat and we're going to beat it together. You always move on together stronger. But it will be different and it will be with much more digital and virtual offerings. We have shown that we can handle that. So I'm positive about the future. But I think uh, we had summer where we had a short break, but not. And I think there will be an end year short break. I urge everybody to take that because we don't necessarily know when it's going to be full steam ahead, but in a different way. And it never slowed down. This was something that was on top of everything else that we do, but it was all eyes on HR. It was for sure. So what would you say, what were the main actions or initiatives that you at HR developed during these eight months and under the influence of COVID-19? In one way, I think it was the communication. I think you have talented people for sure in your team, but you don't necessarily always know what their superpowers are. And uh, the people that you think will take a step ahead are not always the ones that are going to do that. And a couple of people that sometimes are hiding a bit in the wallpaper, they come out to shine. I think that is always really, really cool to see. For instance, I have a person in my team that is a strong, you know, on stage or in talks communicator. He loves to do that and does that really well. But he also was very clear. He has a very sensitive pen. You don't use pen today, but he writes really good and using his keyboard. And I think the mix of having those data sets and the facts that we needed, no matter if it was tough decisions or painful things or people affected or having the 
corona or losing people or reminding people to take their base off, taking a break, listen to themselves, make sure that they had food, that their elderly had food, you know, homeschooling. I can go on and on and on. In my case, to have Michael Kim do both the facts and the data, reminding people what happened that week, because we communicated sometimes several times during the day, sometimes at least once a day, and then on Fridays, him to sum up. But with that sense of humor, with that sense of quirkiness, always with empathy and compassion, but still having the facts in there, it's a skill set that I think calms an organization down. And the feedback has always been like, I was looking forward to those emails. It was a friend, like I was waiting for Michael Kim to send that email. So I think that together with all the other people in the crisis management that, you know, collected all the information from all the authorities and then giving it to him in that way. And also deciding on what we needed to remind people about when it came to mental health or leadership or taking care of yourself and being kind to yourself, all those things. And sometimes also just be funny or do things to say, hey, everything is also very much the same in that very strange time of ours. For sure. So you often refer to controlled chaos Mm -hmm. when you describe how it is to work at Spotify. Mm -hmm. How did that help you managing the crisis or during that crisis? I think it helped us tremendously, to be honest. I mean, if you always say that growth is your mantra and change is your constant and that you walk into controlled chaos, it equips people to actually be able to stand on their feet and think and, you know, regroup all the time and take things maybe serious, but not themselves as serious and always, you know, tweak and twist and iterate on things that you kind of um, come to love or are very comfortable with, and also confident is the right thing. And all of a sudden, it wasn't us, ourselves, throwing a curveball because we were at a different phase, or we added a new market or 13 markets in a week, which could also be, you know, something normal here, or that we wanted to do something or add something to the business idea, or reorg because we're growing like crazy. All of a sudden, nature or the world was throwing us a curveball. And it wasn't really just one. Corona started it and it's still here. But then we had other things that were, I think, you know, life-changing, sometimes for some people, eye-opening. And it keeps going, right? With the Black Lives Matter and other things that are super, super important and are still here and that we need to debate and discuss and deal with. So control chaos for sure helped us. That and having a bad manifesto, So you can go back and remind yourself of what the values are and who we are and how we deal with this. And have one word in your back of your head is, you know, together. We do this together, no matter if we upset with each other or we are hurt from each other or whatever it is. Because I think just having this experience at the same time, no matter if you were based in... Singapore or Japan or, you know, Bombay or in Sao Paulo or or any part of the world, we all came to know Corona or COVID or the pandemic. And some parts, some societies, some communities hurt worse, but we were all getting to understand that there was no escaping. And I think that type of chaos and always prepared to handle that 
no matter who you are, what role you have, what pocket of the world you sit. I think, obviously, we were on our feet. We had, you know, flexed our calves. We were ready, but we could not foresee that it was a corona or something like that coming around the corner. Excellent. Thank you. To wrap this talk up a little bit, why don't we... Um look at the HR trends. What are the HR trends that you're sort of focusing on now? And which ones do you think will change the way that HR is operating in the future? I think it's impossible. Even if I think, you know, work from home forced is one thing, it's one creature, and then work from anywhere is something else. So me and my team, but also the lead team, and, and I guess most people are thinking about, but at least working with, what does that look for us? Is it something totally different? Is it something quite similar, but with a evolution step, or is it a hybrid in between? So I think that is a trend. What does work from anywhere look like when we come back from Corona or COVID and have an open society again, hopefully with a vaccine for everybody? Secondly, I think the second trend kind of got stuck a bit as everybody was talking about HR tech this and HR tech that. And sometimes when people said HR tech, it was actually an admin system that maybe had a facelift. Uh, and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> not necessarily ad tech. But if you look into HR tech in what the possibilities are and what we saw now, and when everybody is doubling down and starting to use and what happens then, you know, that kind of really, you know, 10x kind of experience. Let me say this, if you do the full kind of lifetime circle within an organization and not just look into an ATS, so just not look into a kind of an admin backbone system or a system that will help you with your trainings or anything like that, and realize that there will not be one size fits all going forward. You know, you, you're not as old, but I did this in my early days in my career. Like if I change into this system now, HR tech, I will not have to do that in my lifetime here. It will be the next CHRO, right? Today, you will change it a couple of times if you're not just staying for a year. And two, it will be a lot of, of systems that has to coexist within that ecosystem called people in an organization. And you have to understand what they do and not do and how they work for you and sometimes not work for you. But it can never, ever be and I hope the trend is, it's not the tail that wags the dog. The dog with the head and the heart and the body needs to tell the system what it should do in that phase. And that you might need to have a couple of tails to wag in the same kind of rhythm. And here I think the trend hopefully is now, instead of going to all these events or exhibitions where people show you old stuff, in a new kind of format and they were like, oh, this will yeah, help you, you know, with engagement. This will help you with talent acquisition. This is really, really good for people analytics. It actually has looked like shit, to be honest. And uh, yes, it has more colors and it looks, you know, more intuitive, but it's only fun for five minutes and it doesn't really do the work. I think their landscape looks good. So I think that is the second play. I'm sorry that was a long answer, but it, uh, <laughs> it was a good one. <laughs> and the third trend, I think it's mental health. And I hate to say mental health or fitness at, in the same sentence as a trend, but it's a good trend in that way that people are now talking about it. And I think if COVID will be famous for anything, if I can hope, it is that everybody felt the need to disclose 
their feelings and where they were somewhere during those months that most or some of the stigmas that we have in society will leave and go away forever and that we understand that it's okay not to be okay. And there is a support system and a company that are also about high performance has the room for people that are not necessarily in the way that we sometimes perceive it should be that you could always be your best self and that is the only thing that is okay and that is what all employers are looking for all the time. It's not and it's impossible and it's an equation that doesn't add up. And I think that is a trend and I hope it's a trend and I hope it's going to stay and then then not become a trend. Obviously, it's going to be something that will be on the agenda that we debate, discuss and also are better at better and handling and caring for. So why don't we close this talk with the three things that you usually close talks with? Why not? Hashtag stay safe, stay strong, stay active. Idemodalje. <laughs>